Well, good morning, Mount Zion Church. Those watching online, nice and warm in here today. I hope you enjoy it. Come on, let's give God the glory this morning. Father, we come to praise you. We come to worship you. Let's give him our best. We want to give you our best this morning, God. So we just praise you and love you this morning. To God be the glory, great things he has done. So love be the world that he gave us his son. Who healed in his life and atoned for sin. And opened the life gate that all may go Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, let the earth hear His voice. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, let the people rejoice. Oh, come to the Father through Jesus' Son, and give Him the glory, great things we had done. Redemption, the purchase of blood to every believer, the promise of God, the vilest offender who truly believes that moment from Jesus, a pardon received. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, let the earth hear his voice. Praise the Oh, 
my gosh, go ahead and have a seat. That's exhausting. <laughs> well, praise the Lord. It is a great day to be in the house of God today. And I'll tell you something. I'm excited about... I got my guitar's playing by itself. Um, uh, have you noticed we've got the, the windows tinted? We have the back one getting tinted next week. And I was here at on a bright sunny day earlier this week, both at 10 o'clock, 11 and 12. There is no glare that comes from that at all. So that means now we can put a screen there and a screen there and keep that cross up every Sunday so we can see it. So hopefully that'll happen in the next few weeks. Just a couple of announcements. Number one, hey, this uh, Friday we need at least four volunteers. At least four. All we're doing is the popcorn, the snow cones, and the cotton candy at Pioneer Elementary. Get into that elementary school and let's love on our community. We need four volunteers. If we get five volunteers today, then Pastor Jimmy said we'll do 300 seconds of meet and greet. Okay? 300 seconds. And that's five minutes. So I, but we really do need, need your help. And then also, uh, Sandwich Sunday, my wife was inspired by, what was it, last month you guys did breakfast? Was that last month that the senior? So we're going to do brunch. We're going to do brunch on Sunday, November 5th. It's hard to believe we're already hitting Thanksgiving season coming up soon, but it's here. So that will be on Sunday, November 5th. And also, one more announcement. Uh, the All of God is wrapping up downstairs, and they'll have a new study coming out soon. This Wednesday, we start a new adult Bible study um, called When Your Way Isn't Working. And so we have a quick little promo for that, Pastor Jimmy, if you could go ahead and play that, that'd be great. While my grandson goes away. Bye, Maverick. <laughs> I got you. This is a great study. I really encourage you to come on Wednesday nights beginning this Wednesday. I love series in, um, when they talk about the passage of the Bible, of uh, the vine dresser. Jesus is so amazing. That, that parable is so full of great wisdom. Um, if you knew, any, and I don't, but if you knew anything about being a vine dresser and what they really do with, wine, with vines in, in the winery countries, which we guess we should know more of, we live in this area, but uh, it's phenomenal. That parable covers so much. And so uh, I encourage you Wednesday nights to uh, come at 6 o'clock to 7.30. It's also just a great time together. So let's go ahead and take some time to meet and greet one another. And don't forget, take an opportunity to encourage someone today. You got 300 seconds to do it. So go ahead. <laughs>
Hallelujah. God bless you, everybody watching online. Wonderful to have you with us today. God bless you. Welcome to all those that snuck in during meet and greet. <laughs> God bless you this morning. Is it warm enough in here? All right. I'm doing pretty good. I'm not very good at that. I'm not because it's hotter up here. And then up there, it's like an oven up there. Is it warm up there this morning? There you go. Well, I've asked uh, Mr. Lionel Stock to. Are you all right? Hey, don't listen to him. <laughs> Lionel's going to bless us with our praying for our offering and the tithes that we receive. So I'll turn it over. You got to come over here, Bill, but because the camera can't see you. There you go. Heavenly Father, we come to you. Lord, we want to thank you for this day that you give us to worship you and give you praise, Lord. And we bring you our tithe and our offering for you, Lord Jesus, in honor of you and obeying you, Lord Jesus. And we want to thank you for this day. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. While we stand together and worship, I searched the world, but it couldn't fill me. Man's empty praise, the treasures that fade are never enough. Here in your love 
I like this part. You turn morning to dancing. You give beauty for ashes. You turn shame into glory. You're the only one you can. You turn graves into gardens. You turn So we pour out our praise, yes, we pour 
will shout your praise our hearts will cry these bones will sing Storm that rains. 
there's no one like you, Jesus. There's no one like you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. There's no one like you, no one like you, Jesus. Father, we come together to please you, to worship you, to give glory to you, to bow to you. Father, we thank you for your presence today. We lift all those that couldn't be here, that are dealing with illnesses. We lift up Denise as she continues to recover, that God, you would just give her peace, that you would confound the doctors on how quickly she's getting rehabbed and and moving forward in her recovery, God, we just ask you to give her peace. Give her great doctors and nurses and physical therapists, Lord Jesus. Lift up Eva, who I know is not feeling well this morning. God, we just ask you to heal her body completely. And Lord, I know there's others that need just your touch. Whether it's a physical need or an emotional need, financial need. We know that you are our provider. We know that you are a healer. You are a strong tower. And you are our peace. Now, God, open up our eyes and our ears and our hearts to receive what you have for us today so we can go and be a blessing. We thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. There is no one like you. Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 God bless you this morning. Uh, I'll tell you, I am uh, excited about what God is doing. And um, if you're not seeing it, it has been heavy on my heart for several weeks now. What's happening in the Middle East? I'm sure many of you, many of you are seeing the news. And seeing the awful atrocities going on over there in the Middle East. And then you wonder, well, how can I speak to this? And I, what is my goal this morning to kind of go through where we're at? And I guess what my goal is, first of all, Jesus has warned us over and over again to be ready, to be prepared, to not be surprised about what the events that are unfolding. So this morning, I want to talk about something that's been going on for 4,000 years or so. You know how kids fight. And these brothers, Ishmael and Isaac, have been going at it for a long time. But we need to have a biblical perspective. And I'll tell you why. Because Israel is God's time clock when it comes to these end time events. And it's important for us to see what happens and to be praying for the people in Israel. In Genesis chapter 16, I want to start right there and get right into it. I have a lot of Bible to go through today. But if that's the worst thing that happens and you walk out the doors going, man, pastor just read a lot of Bible. Okay. I'm all right with that. I hope you're okay with that too. Are you okay with that? All right. Genesis chapter 16. I'm going to read the first 12 verses. Now, Sari, Abraham's wife, had borne him no children, and she had an Egyptian maid whose name was Hagar. So Sari and Abram, now behold, 
excuse me, so Sari said to Abram, Now behold, the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. Please go to my maid. Perhaps I will obtain children through her. And Abram listened to the voice of Sari. After Abram had lived ten years in the land of Canaan, Abram's wife Sari took Hagar the Egyptian, her maid, and gave her to her husband Abram as his wife. He went into Hagar, and she conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, her mistress was despised in her sight. And Sarai said to Abram, May the wrong done me be upon you. Man, that's messed up right there, isn't it? I gave you my maid into your arms, but when she saw that she had conceived, I despised I was despised in her sight. May the Lord judge between you and me. But Abraham said to Sarai, Behold, your maid is in your power. Do to her what is good in your sight. So Sarai treated her harshly, and she fled from her presence. So now the angel of the Lord found her, the the maidservant, by the spring of water in the wilderness, by the spring on the way to Shur. He said, Hagar, Sarai's maid, where have you come from and where are you going? Now, when you ever see an angel of the Lord, it's probably Jesus. Most theologians would agree Jesus is the angel of the Lord when spoken to in the Old Testament. Hagar, Sarah's maid, where have you come from and where are you going? I, don't, I think he kind of knew what was going on. He wanted to hear it from her. And she said, I am fleeing from the presence of my mistress, Sari. Then the angel of the Lord said to her, return to your mistress and submit yourself to her authority. Moreover, the angel of the Lord said to her, I will greatly multiply your descendants so that they will too be, many, be too many to count. The angel of the Lord said to her further, Behold, you are with child, and you will bear a son, and you shall call his name Ishmael. Because the Lord has given heed to your affliction. He will be a wild donkey of a man. His hand will be against everyone. And everyone's hand will be against him. And he will live in the east of all of his brothers. Then, So now I'm jumping to chapter 17, verse 15. Then God said to Abraham, As for Sarai, your wife, you shall no longer call her Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. I will bless her, and indeed I will give you a son by her. Then I will bless her, and she shall be a mother of nations. Kings of peoples will come from her. Then Abraham fell on his face and laughed, and said in his heart, Will a child be born to a man 100 years old? Be careful what you're laughing at. And Sarah, Sarah, who was 90 years old, bare a child. And Abraham said to God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before you. But God said, no. But Sarah, your wife, will bear you a son, and you shall call his name Isaac. And I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant, everlasting covenant for his descendants after him. As for Ishmael, I have heard you. And behold, I will bless him, and I will make him fruitful, and he will multiply exceedingly. He shall become the father of 12 princes, and I will make him a great nation. So what's going on here? And now, 
I mean, this conflict we're seeing today and in the news the past couple of weeks since October 7th, it seems everywhere that it's in the Middle East and it's between, we know, Israel and Hamas in the Gaza Strip. We also know that this has been going on for 4,000 years. You see, Ishmael, the son of Abraham, had with his servant Hagar, Ishmael. Ishmael is the father of the Arab people. Isaac, who is the son of Abraham's wife, Sarah, Isaac is the father of God's chosen people, the Jews. You have the Arab people, Ishmael, and the Lord said they are going to be fighting their brothers. And then you have Isaac, the father of God's chosen people, the Jews. Now, if you notice in verse 12 of what we just read, look what the Lord says is going to happen with Ishmael, the Arab people. Verse 12, it says, He will be a wild donkey of a man. His hand will be against everyone, and everyone's hand will be against him. And he will live to the east of all his brothers. This was prophesied. It's important to point out prophecies in the Bible. God is trying to teach us all and show us a road map, show us a time clock. We should be ready, build up an urgency. This was prophesied. Ishmael and Isaac are still going at it 4,000 years later. So let me begin with this simple statement. I support Israel. I support its people, the Jews. I support its right to be a nation. And the Bible says that. And I'll say this now also. War is horrible. And any life that is taken from war by either side is a tragedy. And nobody wants war. But we all biblically have a right to defend ourselves. I have always been a supporter of Israel. And I would love to go there someday. And why do I support Israel? Because this is what God told his people, the Jews. In Genesis chapter 12, verse 1 through 3, if you look at it, it basically says this, I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those who curse you. This is the promise from God, and it still stands today. We used to know that as Americans... Because many Americans were in church on Sundays. We used to know that because we cared and loved for Israel. But unfortunately, we've been continually lied to by most of the media concerning Israel. And why do I think that? Well, most of the media, mostly coming out of the Middle East, is owned by Arab money, and we get lied to a lot. I mean, it's just a fact. It's difficult to find non-biased Walter Cronkite-type news today, isn't it? I mean, anywhere you turn out, it's either bent to the left, bent to the right. It's got liberal thinking. It's got conservative thinking. I mean, it's really difficult to find some kind of balance and see what's really happening. And so what many people do is they go, well, you know what? I'm just going to go straight to the source, and I'm going to look at, like, Al Jazeera's, and I'm going to look at the Middle East news. But over 90% of the Middle East news is owned by the Arab countries and the Arab nations and the Arab people. Here's just one of the examples that I heard from a friend. This, this message, by the way, is inspired completely by Pastor Craig Andrus, a friend of mine who's our presbyter of our gold country section here in the Assemblies of God. And he was talking about the media's biased. 
And he was talking about when he was there, he saw it with his own eyes. And it was concerning Rachel's tomb. And it doesn't mean anything to us when we think of Rachel's tomb, but it is a Jewish holy site and has been for thousands of years. And it happens to be on the border of South Jerusalem, and it's now in Palestine, occupied Bethlehem as part of the West Bank, and now it's controlled by the Muslim authorities. Pastor Craig stood there years ago, right there, looking over the security fence with an army colonel. And what had happened in years past is that the Muslim enclave around Bethlehem, there were people about a decade ago. And what they were doing, it became very popular that the workers around Bethlehem would go across this little valley into South Jerusalem. And they would cross this over, and in very places, various places in Jerusalem, they would go to different holy sites at the Wailing Wall and different places in Jerusalem. And these people, and a lot of women were there too, would wear suicide vests with bombs all over their bodies. And they would explode the vest into the multitudes of people, women, children, and in schools. And it was horrible. And the prime minister of Israel finally said, we have to do something. So they built a, a border, essentially. So that in order for these people that had a Muslim background to get into Jerusalem, had to go through some sort of checkpoint. Makes sense. I get it. But the American media, when this happened, tore Israel apart. They called it apartheid and all that kind of stuff, and they were just trying to protect themselves. Getting back to the story of Rachel's tomb, when the Palestinian Muslim authorities took control of that area around Rachel's tomb several years ago, then the Muslim clerics then openly announced this brand new claim. They said, well, Rachel's tomb, you know, this Jewish holy site that's been there forever, is now a Muslim holy site. And Palestinian terrorists then, in an uprising, shot and killed many Jews around Rachel's tomb. And they were going there just to worship, and it happened during this conflict. The Israel military moved to protect their citizens at that tomb site. And several papers around the United States, especially in New York, in the east, and in the west, like San Francisco, and when the skirmishes started happening, what did these newspapers report? Here's what the headline said. Israelis kill Palestinians at Muslim holy site. That's how they worded it. That's how this is happening over and over again. We saw it this past week, the bombing of a hospital in the Gaza Strip, killing over 500 people. And what did the media immediately jump on? Israel just bombed a, a Baptist hospital, kill, kill, excuse me, a hospital killing 500 Palestinian doctors, children, and patients. There's, a, there's representatives that are still quoting that misinformation. That they're saying Israel did this when it has come out with conclusive evidence that it, of course it was not the Jewish nation Israel bombing a hospital. Just last Saturday, this past week, we also saw across America this raging anger. And they're saying things like the poor Palestinians, how horrible it is that Israel is shooting at them. What? I mean, people have a right to defend themselves, don't they? I say it again. War is horrible. And I feel bad for any side. I do. It doesn't matter. It's horrible when people are getting recklessly killed. 
But this is something different, folks. This is the worst attack onto the Israel people, Israel people in over 50 years. It's their 9-11. Somebody quoted that, that when they, and this was early on in the reporting, when I think it was at 1,300 people killed, it was at 1,600 now. And they were saying because of the size of the population, it's equivalent to if that happened in the United States, over 35,000 people would have been killed in one day. Now back to the topic. The primary index of God's last days, his time clock, and the fact that we are now in the end times, it is the nation of Israel. Why is what happening in, what's happening in, God, in Israel God's time clock? Why is this God's time clock? I'm going to show you. And this is where we get into some more scripture, so hang with me. Ezekiel chapter 37. And I hope you'll see that this is concerning Israel and when Jesus comes back again. Ezekiel chapter 37. I'm going to read the first 14 verses. The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of the valley. And it was full of bones. So Ezekiel's telling us how God spoke to him, and he's passing it on to us. He caused me to pass among them around about, and behold, there were many on the surface of the valley, and lo, they were very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I'd answered, Oh God, you know. Again he said to me, Prophesy over these bones, and say to them, O oh, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, Behold, I would cause breath to enter you that you may come to life. I will put sinews on you, make flesh grow back on you, cover you with skin and put breath in you that you may come alive and you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a noise and behold, a rattling and the bones came together bone to bone. And I looked, and behold, sinews were on them, and it grew flesh, and skin covered them. But there was no breath in them. And then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath. Thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they come to life. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them. And they came to life, stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army. So that's the vision he had, and now he's going to give it explained. He said to them, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, our bones are dried up and our hope has perished. We are completely cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, thus says the Lord God, behold, I will open your graves and cause you to come out of these graves. My people and I will bring you to the land of Israel. Then you will know that I am the Lord when I have opened your graves and caused you to come out of your graves. Many people I will put my spirit within you and you will come to life and I will place you on your own land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken and done it, declares the Lord. The Lord prophesied one day Israel would come back again. Keep your eye on Israel. Israel's prominence on earth is so obvious and is so over-argued, and we tend to miss the significance of Israel. Not only her worldwide significance, but the miracle, the fact that compared to other nations, Israel should have no significance in the world whatsoever. Just look at this map right here. 
The green part is the Arab world. And I don't know if you can see it, that tiny little, tiny little speck up there, that's Israel. That's Israel. And half of that little speck has already been given back to the Arab and Muslim control. That little tiny speck is Israel. In the news, they say, oh, we have to have that land. What do you mean you have to have that land? Look how much land you have, Arab nations. But they want that. They want that. Most Americans don't realize how small this is, but how significant it is. How come all the countries in the world, if all the countries in the world, when there's an international crisis, they don't go, look what's happening to Australia. You never hear in the news, look at the crisis in India or Africa, or even the crisis in the U.S. When it comes to world things, it's obvious the answer is world. Somehow, some things are starting here. When it comes into the world, instinctively knows. The world says something miraculous and eternal about this tiny little nation of Israel, and nobody can deny it. The world is always watching Israel. The entire world is actually fulfilling biblical prophecy, promoting Israel on the world stage all the time, and I don't even think they're aware of doing this. So what is so compelling, so unique, so different about this tiny speck of land? Half the size of California, for goodness sakes. What's so different about it? Well, I did some research on this part, man. It's the only nation ever in the history of the world to die, to go out of existence completely, to totally vanish off the face of the earth, and then resurrect itself 1,800 years later as exactly the same nation with the same history, same language, same culture, same religion, and it's never happened in the history of the world before. And why did that happen? Because God declared it so. We just read it. Think about this. Israel was conquered by the Romans in 63 BC. Then for the next 1,800 years, years, Israel was ruled by the following empire. The Bezanines, the Arabs, and the Crusader period. Followed by the Mameluk rule in 1291, and Israel was completely abandoned. From 1517 to 1917, the Ottoman rule, and then the British came in. In 1918 until May 19, 1948, when Israel was miraculously reborn as a nation. Never on this planet has the United Nations created a country out of nothing. Now, we would say they're given back, and it's prophecy. But it's never happened since either. Same culture, same religion, same language. It's amazing how that even happened in 1948. Why did it happen? Because God said it would happen. That's why. If there's anything you get out of this message today is that God is true to his word. When God says it, it's going to happen. The sign of the entering into the season or the generation of the return of the Messiah was then prophesied once again by, by Amos. In Amos chapter 9. He said, I will restore the captivity of my people Israel. And they will rebuild the ruined cities and live in them. They will also plant vineyards and drink their wine and make gardens and eat their fruit. I will also plant them on their land. 
and they will not again be rooted out from their land, which I have given them, says the Lord your God. So we don't have to worry about Israel. It will not be wiped off the map. Why? Because the Lord declared it so. And if the Lord said it, it's going to happen. The main sign that we have entered in this season of the coming of Jesus the Messiah is from the nation of Israel. If you want to understand what time it is in God's economy, keep your eyes on Israel. And Jesus knew that. Listen to Jesus' words when he said he would come back again in Matthew 24. Now learn the parable from the fig tree. When its branch has already become tender and put forth its leaves, you know that summer is near. So you too, when you see all these things, recognize that he is near right at the door. Truly I say to you, this generation will not pass until all these things take place. All these things. Well, what are all these things? Revelation 13, is, John's given this revelation. Jesus, and he says, I saw a beast coming out of the sea. He says, and he causes all, the small and the great, the rich and the poor, and the free man and the slaves, to be given a mark on their right hand and on their forehead. And he provides that no one will be able to buy or sell except for the one that has the mark, either the name of the beast or the number of its name. Here is the wisdom. Here is wisdom. Let him who has understanding calculate the number of the beast for that number of, the, of man. That number is 666. And what does that mean? I don't know. I don't know exactly. I don't. But the Bible prophesies that one day a guy is going to come up and say, I'm God in the flesh. He's going to be so charismatic and he's going to solve all these world problems. People will be amazed and people will worship him. And this person will order that unless you have the mark of the beast, you will not be able to buy or sell anything. Now, I've, we've preached in, in Revelation extensively. I don't know if that's a physical mark. I don't know if it's a computer chip. I don't know if it's a, a bar scan thing. I don't know if it's just what marks your life. Are you of the world or of God? What marks your life with what you do, meaning your hand, and how you think with your head. But I do know this, that we live in a time when already there are many factories around this world and many different corporations that use a chip in their hand to work their time clocks. I know that I'm using my phone for self-checkout. How far is that away from putting that in your hand? I know that, that the devil uses so many things. I thought, you know what, I thought years ago they'd be putting location tags in our kids when they were born, just like they do with our animals, because of so many children that were getting kidnapped and disappeared. And as a parent, that's a scary thing, and you've got to think, well, I don't want to lose my dog. How much more important is my kid? Well, is that how it goes? And then I know those people, I love this too. I love this. People go, I will never take that mark. Oh, really? Be careful what you say. If I had to stare at my beautiful daughters or my grandson, and they said, I can't feed them unless I take the mark of the beast, would I sacrifice myself for them? I don't know. I mean, I hope I stay true. I know the Bible tells me he's going to take care of me, so I've got to hang my hat on the faith of God. But we've got to be careful when we say, I'll never. The devil's pretty tricky. That's why it's so important to understand these prophecies. 
Because do you think they can make all that happen? I mean, look at the time we live in. If we were in the 50s, would we think they could make that happen? Eh, maybe not. But look at where we live right now, how close they are to it. The technology is here now. The Bible talks about where people will run to and fro with knowledge will be increased and there'll be wars and rumors of wars, earthquakes, floods, and all these things. Hmm. And we look in the Bible and say, wow, this has happened and this has happened and this has happened and this has happened. What? Doesn't seem like there's much left, is there? There is one big thing left. The Antichrist is going to go into a Jew, the Jewish temple and take over and say, I'm God. But there's no temple yet. But it's being planned. I was watching a documentary the other day. They've got the location picked out. They're trying to figure out how they can do this politically. And they want to rebuild the temple. And Jesus said, when you see these things, the valley of dry bones, people coming back again into that nation that didn't exist for 1,800 years, every single one of these things are checked off and have come to pass. And we know that Jesus said, when you see all this stuff, this generation will not pass. When all these things take place, Jesus said, one biblical generation will not pass until all the prophecies in history is fulfilled. And then Jesus is coming back again. And most biblical scholars, and I as well, believe that Israel reborn as a nation in 1948 is a fulfillment of end times prophecy. And the final generation countdown has begun. And now I know many of you are probably thinking, well, what's a generation? Starting to do the math in your head. Well, Scripture says this in Psalm 90. As for the days of our life... They contain 70 years, or if due to strength, 80 years. We're right there now, aren't we, folks? This is the question that we have to be willing to answer. And we have to keep our eyes on Israel. We have got to be in prayer for Israel. See, Israel are God's chosen people, but, or chosen sons and daughters. But guess what? We're the adopted sons and daughters. And before you start thinking that Israel higher on the list than us Gentiles or the Jews are higher up on the list, let me remind you, in Jewish culture, adoption was a stronger bond than natural. If you had your son or daughter, natural son and daughter, and let's say you look at your son and he doesn't pick up his socks and you're tired of it, you could take your son to the gates of the city and go, go away. I never want to see you again. I'm done with you, and you don't get your inheritance, and bye-bye. But if you adopted that son, it was against the law to get rid of him. It's that kind of a bond. I love telling adopted kids that. If you, please remember that. If you ever run into an adopted kid, God chose us as well by the power of the Holy Spirit revealing himself to us. So those across the big ocean over there in the Middle East, those are our brothers and sisters. Amen? Keep your eye on Israel. We see that biblical time clock ticking, and we see Jesus saying all these things, and we're like, wow, could we be this generation? So then it comes down to the, the simple question, what do we do? Great, Pastor. Very historical. Great information there. Checked off my list. Now what do I do? Do you run around like a chicken going, the sky is falling? 
And is, or should you go get one of those big posters and stand signs on the end of the street saying, the, the end is near, the end is near, repent or die. Man, I used to make fun of those guys until I realized God spoke to me one time. I said, you know those guys on the street corners that actually do that? You've seen them, right? I always go, oh, God, it's so embarrassing. What are you doing? And God went, what if he doesn't want to do it either? But he's listening to me and doing it out of obedience. And I went, ooh, God, please don't ever ask me to do that. Please. But it's true. What are we supposed to do? I know some people will just build their underground shelters. We have them up here, right? They get off the grid. They build their little caves, their little bomb shelters, stack up all their food, their water, their rations, right? They get their, they get their M16s down there. And they got all their food. Well, you know what? If that really does happen, people in the Bay Area are going to find out. Where are they going to come? <laughs> And then what are you going to do? I stand for Jesus Christ. (laughs) You're a Christian. None of that makes sense. Here's what Jesus does tell us to do. As the coming days get closer and closer with the return of the Messiah. In Luke chapter 12, he says it this way. You too, be ready. For the Son of Man is coming in an hour which you do not expect. Peter said, Lord, are you addressing this parable to us or to everyone else as well? And the Lord said, who then is the faithful and sensible steward whom his master has put in charge of his servants to give them their rations at the proper time? Blessed is that slave whom his master finds so doing when he comes. Jesus tells us we should be doing only one thing in preparation of end times and his return. And that one thing is serving and doing the will of the master. Amen? Doing what Jesus has always told us to do. And that is to reach out, to go into all the nations, to go to our neighbors. Go to them and tell people that Jesus is the only Messiah. That people need Jesus as their Lord. That's why he said what to do in the preparation of his coming. We are commanded to love our neighbors. We are commanded to share the good news. We are commanded to do this right up until the return of the master. What's he going to catch you doing? We are not called to go hide. Our preparation for his return is to continue to be his faithful servants, doing what we've always done. So the question is to each one of us, are we doing it? Are we? Do we have that sense of urgency right now? That the time, the clock is ticking? Are we talking to our loved ones, our children, our grandchildren? Are we talking to our neighbors and the people we work with? Are we building those relationships out of love? So that when these signs happen and they go, man, what's happening over there in the Middle East? That's crazy. Doesn't that worry you that we're going into World War III? And you go, "Mm, no. Kind of expected it. Kind of expected it. Well, how did you expect it? Well, I read it in this book. told me about it. It's got a whole bunch of prophecy in here, and I read it cover to cover, and it tells me not only when it's going to happen, but it's going to tell me how it's going to happen, and it tells me what I'm supposed to be doing while it's happening. 
We have to find, God has to find us, Jesus has to find us faithful, doing his will until he returns. And why do we do that? Why do we do that? We should have that sense of urgency. He's coming soon. He's coming soon. Why don't we all stand to our feet? And I, I hope this morning, as we pray for Israel, we pray for those that are victims in this, children and babies and parents, brothers and sisters, mothers, daughters, and grandparents, those that are suffering for the cause of being God's chosen. That's it. That's their crime over in that tiny little speck, being God's chosen. There are brothers and sisters we need to be praying. Oh, Lord, come find us doing your will. Come find us serving you, Lord Jesus. Come finding us loving our neighbors. Come find us expecting you, God, and being prepared. Father, we lift up the nation of Israel, all of its people, all around the world, God. I know many are leaving their countries where they're at and they're heading over to Israel to fight with their brothers and sisters and help defend their country. I know, Father, there are bad actors all around the world. The enemy is good at what he does, but the victory belongs to Jesus. So, Father, we lift up our brothers and sisters across the world and especially in Israel. We pray protection. God, we pray that, that you will continually send those with with the means and the resources to help support Israel that it will get there we pray for wisdom for the for our leaders the world leaders and specifically the leaders in Israel we pray for peace and comfort for those family members that have lost so much in these atrocities we pray against Satan and his will and we pray Lord rise up your people let prayer move your hand in the favor of your chosen. God, we hate war. We hate what it does. But we know there are people that have to defend themselves at this time. Bring them favor, provision, protection. And then, Father, anoint each one of us again to be your priest, to be your Bible, to be your evangelist, to go into all the world and to preach this wonderful message that Jesus is our Savior and that you so loved your Son, your only Son, that you gave him for us. Oh, Father, help us to love more a little, a little more today and tomorrow and the next and to be a little more mindful of what's happening around the world. We still trust you because you are still on the throne and you are still in charge. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Have a great, great rest of the week. Come Wednesday night for our new Bible study, and we hope to see you there. I love you, and have a great, great week.